this psalm just really just spoke to my heart and it really uh, made an impact. And, and as I was thinking about what, which, which psalm to go with for this uh, service, I picked the one that I read because it just encouraged my heart. And then so when I got home, for Bible time, I said, okay, we're going we're gonna to deviate from where we're, we're going through the book of 1 Kings at home, um, reading through that. But uh, I decided, let's, let's read Psalm 145 together. And uh, I just, it really just gripped my heart. And I hope it does you too. Even if it doesn't, that's okay. It still has gripped mine. <laughs> and that's all right. Um, go ahead and uh, remain seated. Um, I know a lot of times we like to stand, but I'm going to go ahead and read the entire psalm to begin with tonight, and then we'll get through as much as we can, and uh, we'll kind of go with that. So Psalm 145, I'm going to just pick it up in verse 1, read all the way down through the end of it. Here uh, it says, and before even verse 1, it says, David's Psalm of Praise, which, by the way, is the only time this inscription is, is mentioned in all of the Psalms. The only one that's specifically a Psalm of Praise, or David's Psalm of Praise. That's the only time it ever says that. All right, verse 1. I will extol thee, my God, O King, and I will bless thy name forever and ever. Every day will I bless thee, and I will praise thy name forever and ever. And here's our memory verse for the month. Great is the Lord, and greatly to be praised, and his greatness is unsearchable. One generation shall praise thy works to another, and shall declare thy mighty acts. I will speak of the glorious honor of thy majesty and of thy wondrous works. And men shall speak of the might of thy terrible acts, and I will declare thy greatness. They shall abundantly utter the memory of thy great goodness and shall sing of thy righteousness. The Lord is gracious and full of compassion, slow to anger and of great mercy. The Lord is good to all, and his tender mercies are over all. All his works, all thy works shall praise thee, O Lord, and thy saints shall bless thee. They shall speak of the glory of thy kingdom and talk of thy power, to make known to the sons of men his mighty acts and the glorious majesty of his kingdom. Thy kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and thy dominion endureth throughout all generations. The Lord upholdeth all that fall, and raiseth up all those that be bowed down. The eyes of all wait upon thee, and thou givest them their meat in due season. Thou openest thine hand, and satisfy, satisfiest the desire of every living thing. The Lord is righteous in all his ways, and holy in all his works. The Lord is nigh unto all them that call upon him, to all that call upon him in truth. He will fulfill the desire of them that fear him, he also will hear their cry and will save them. The Lord preserveth all them that love him, but all the wicked will he destroy. My mouth shall speak the praise of the Lord, and let all flesh bless his holy name forever and ever. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. All right, well, let's have a quick word of prayer. We'll get into uh, what I have to kind of say about this, but I really just wanted the Lord to... Uh, to say it first. And so with that, let's pray. Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you for this particular psalm and how special it's been to me uh, since reading it recently. And Lord, I pray that uh, you would help me to be able to convey the, the wonders of this particular passage. 
Uh, and Lord, I pray that, um, Lord, something said tonight would be an encouragement, would be a help, uh, and would cause us, Lord, to really desire to praise you uh, a lot more fervently and frequently. And we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, well, the title for the message tonight is Motivators for Praise. And uh, this whole psalm is David's reasons for praising the Lord. And uh, we all need some good motivation, and David certainly did. Um, I read this week about an elderly man on the beach uh, who found a magic lamp. He picked it up, and of course, as you might expect, the genie appeared. And the genie said, well, you freed me, and because you did this, I'm going to grant you one wish. Well, the man thought for a moment and then responded, well, my brother and I had a fight 30 years ago, and he hasn't spoken to me ever since. I, I wish, my wish is this, that he'll finally forgive me. Well, immediately there was a thunderclap, and the genie declared, your wish has been granted. You know, the genie continued, though, most men would have asked for wealth or fame, but you only wanted the love of your brother. Is it because you're elderly and, and, and maybe dying and, and you wanted to kind of get that resolved before you pass from this life? No way, the man cried, but my brother is and he's worth about $60 million. <laughs> and so I want to reconcile the relationship so that you know. Uh, you see, there was some motivation going on there. I read about this back in the early 90s in order to get employees to work on time. A Michigan company provided 45 parking spaces for 50 cars. <laughs> uh, so just to motivate them to get to work on time. Uh, we all need a good motivation. Terry, uh, there's a lady by the name of Terry, and she has a pretty long last name. I'm not going to try to say it. But uh, she worked at a busy dental office. Okay, Miss Lana might be able to uh, relate with this. Um, but she talked about one patient who was continually late. Like every time he had an appointment, he would always arrive late. And she said once when she called to confirm an appointment, the patient said, well, I'll, I'll be about 15 minutes late. That won't be a problem, will it? She said, no, we just won't have time to give you any anesthetic. <laughs> so uh, needless to say, he arrived early because he had the proper motivation. All right. Now, David here in this wonderful psalm, Psalm 145, uh, was greatly motivated to praise the Lord. And you can, you can tell that as we read through it, just how much he loved the Lord and wanted to praise him. Now, what were the motivators that caused David to want to praise the Lord? Uh, well, we're going to get to those in a moment. But I want us to look here in verse, um, verse number one, just before we get into the actual motivators. Uh, verse one says, I will extol thee. And what's that little word that's right after the in your Bible? My. I think one of the reasons that David wanted to extol or to declare the Lord in, in his life and in, with his lips was the fact that his God, or God was, was not just God out there somewhere, but that he was personal. He had a personal relationship with the Lord. And that was significant in what led uh, David to want to praise the Lord because he had a personal relationship. And, and for those of us who have a personal relationship, you know what I'm talking about. 
Uh, when you know the Lord and not just know about the Lord, right? There's a difference uh, between knowing facts about someone and actually knowing them. And the more you know someone, the more you love them, the more that that relationship is closer. And, uh, you know, today, as many of you know, is uh, our 20th anniversary. And it's, it's hard to believe that 20 years has, has passed since we said I do. But um, my dad was right. I, I told, when I first told my dad that I loved Julie, he's, he asked me, he said, do you, do you, do you love her? And this is before I ever told her that I loved her. I said, Dad, I, I do. I, I love this girl. And he said, well, that's nice. But uh, I'm telling you, once... Once you're married for a significant amount of time, then you'll really understand what the word love means. I mean, you think you love her now, but just wait 10, 15, 20 years. Then, then come back and tell me. So I need to call him and say, hey, Dad, okay, now I know what you meant. Because you're right. I love her a lot more than I thought I did back in those days. And I did, but that love has developed and grew. And, and the same thing in our relationship with God. The longer we're saved, the longer we have that personal relationship, the more that we should love Him, and that love should be deeper and, and, uh, and stronger as time goes on. And that was the case for David. He said, I will extol thee, my God, O King. Not just God, but my God. That, that's, that's significant. And then in verse number 2, he said this. Uh, the first two words of verse 2 says, Every day will I bless thee. He said, I'm not going to let a day go by without me blessing the Lord, praising God, uh, thanking him for who he is and what he's done in my life. There are going to be days where that's a little maybe easier than others, right? Uh, when you get a promotion or you, you find $5 on the side of the road, praise the Lord, you know. Um, but, but there's other days where it's, it's, it's tough and you get some rough news and things aren't going as well as you wish they were. Uh, well, you can still praise the Lord during those times. And uh, we went through the series in Philippians where it was called Rejoice in the Lord, even when you're in prison, like Paul was when he wrote that book. Uh, we can praise the Lord when we're going through good times or difficult times. And uh, David said, every day will I bless thee. So uh, what motivated him to praise the Lord every day and at the end of verse 2, it says, and I will praise thy name forever and ever. He said, I'm going to praise his name not just every day, but also eternally as well. And I'm looking forward to that. What motivated him to do that? So tonight I wanted to go through this psalm and show you four truths about God that really motivated David to want to praise the Lord continually. And hopefully we will also be motivated to do the same in our own lives as we consider these same truths. So first of all, first motivator in David's life here was God's greatness. The truth about God is that he is great. Verse number three says, great is the Lord and greatly to be praised and his greatness is unsearchable. All right, so what does that, what does that mean? Now, the word great here, and of course we use that word all the time, and so we all kind of have a pretty decent understanding of it. But, but the word great here uh, means exceeding mighty, exceedingly high, and exceeding more. So as great as you may think something is in this earth, God is exceeding mighty, exceeding high above that. And he is great. 
I like here unsearchable. His greatness is unsearchable. Uh, Google would break if it tried to search the greatness of God. It would blow up. Uh, there's not uh, an allograph. What do they use? Algorithm. There we go. I, I keep wanting to say algorithm, or I did say it right that time. There, there's not that that can search the greatness of God. There's not a computer on this earth that can do that. His greatness is absolutely unsearchable. That means that no one can fully wrap their head really around it. Uh, we can't understand in our own mind, in our own finite minds, the greatness of God. It, it's kind of a mind-blowing concept, God's greatness. And that's what David said, great is the Lord. Greatly be praised, and his greatness is like, I'm never going to really understand it. It's, it's unsearchable. It's, it's beyond even the universe, which to us is unsearchable. Uh, we, we, we're trying, but we realize how, how little we know about our universe. Well, God's greatness is even beyond this universe. And he's the one that created all this. By the way, and he created the heaven and the earth, um, and uh, he did all that in six literal days. So it's really nothing to him, and his greatness is so much bigger and greater than even creation. So uh, God's greatness really motivated David to praise the Lord. Uh, verse number four, let's look at this one. I'm going to kind of go verse by verse and just kind of hit some of the high points of these verses as we go through this psalm here. Verse four this um, verse 4 says, One generation shall praise thy works to another and shall declare thy mighty acts. Uh, so this uh, praise for the Lord shall uh, will, will never die. There will always be someone who will praise the Lord. This will be the story passed from one generation to another. And here's a good question for all of us. How are we doing this? How, how good of a job are we doing this in our own homes? at uh, passing this on to the next generation, right? For those of us who are parents, for those of us even who have grandparents or, or who are grandparents, um, how are we doing it passing this on to the next generation? One generation shall praise thy works to another. How are we doing uh, with that in our own homes? That's a good question and a challenge to each of us as parents and grandparents to make sure that we're doing our part in uh, praising the Lord and, and showing those works to the generation coming. And it talks about declaring thy mighty acts. I mean, we could spend a long time tonight talking about all the things that God has done, even in the Bible, but then when we get even into our own lives, the things that God has done in our own lives to bring us to this point. Um, these are the things we should be communicating and telling the next generation. Um, so God's greatness. Um, he Verse number five continue on here. I will speak of the glorious honor of thy majesty and of thy wondrous works. Uh, one, one commentator uh, wrote this regarding verse number five. Uh, I will speak of the glorious honor of thy majesty and of thy wondrous works. That is, in my acts of praise, I will not be ashamed to be known as his worshiper. I will publicly declare my belief in, ex in his existence, in his greatness, in his majesty. Um, every day we really have an opportunity to do that. To publicly declare 
the fact that we belong to him. Um, you don't always have to, you know, and it, we don't have to do that by carrying a big old honking family Bible with us everywhere we go, okay? If you really want to do that, go right on ahead. That's fine. Uh, there's nothing wrong with that. That's not necessarily what he's talking about here. Um, just in the way we live our lives and the way we uh, talk and the way we handle issues that come up. Um, hopefully your coworkers there at work know that you are a Christian. Hopefully uh, your neighbors know that you are a Christian. It, it shouldn't be a shock to your extended family members that you are a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. Right? This should be something that you are well known for. And uh, that's, um, that's, that's important. All right. So we need to be bold in speaking of the glorious honor of thy majesty. Verse number six. And men shall speak of the might of thy terrible acts, and I will declare thy greatness. A lot of times when you see the word terrible in the Bible, it's a little different than the word terrible that we use, you know, uh, when, you know, your team does really bad, you're like, they were so terrible. Uh, it's, it's got a really negative connotation. Well, here, it's more of a, uh, something very big and powerful that actually causes fear. Okay, it says, uh, and men shall speak of the might of thy terrible acts, and I will declare thy greatness. Again, one commentator wrote this, the force, the power of those things done by thee, which are suited to inspire fear or reverence. The great power displayed in those acts shall be a ground or reason for celebrating thy praise. The manifestations of that power will so deeply impress the minds of people that they will be led to speak of them. Now, I'm going to ask for some audience participation tonight. I don't know how this is going to go here on the live stream, but uh, for those at home, I, if you can't hear, I apologize. But um, I do want to involve, involve uh, everybody tonight. What are some of the terrible acts, and I'm using the word uh, terrible there with quotes, I suppose, um, terrible acts that happen in the Bible, powerful miracles that cause reverence and or fear for God. Can you think of some? Yes, sir. Absolutely. Absolutely, that would have caused a lot of fear. Like, this is not a normal happening. So, yes, sir. Absolutely. Yep, that would have caused some fear. Yes. Brother Scott? Yes. I was thinking of that one too. Yes, Brother Tom. The plagues of Egypt would have caused great fear. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Sure. Anybody else tonight? Yeah, definitely. There were a couple that I thought of uh, when when Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane and and the band of soldiers comes and he says, "Whom seek ye?" and he said. Or they said, Jesus of Nazareth, and he said, I am he, and they all fell down backwards. That would have probably caused some fear, because when they got all back up, he asked them again. <laughs> He's like, they're like, oh no, please don't do this again. <laughs> uh, and also, 
Um, I also thought about uh, Acts chapter 5, Ananias and Sapphira, uh, who lied to the Holy Ghost and who dropped dead because of it. Uh, that caused tremendous fear in the entire church. I mean, talk about, uh, that would have been a fun email to send out to the church family there. Hey, by the way, uh, two of our members died because they lied to the Holy Ghost. So just want to make, make you aware you probably shouldn't do that. Um, so lots of different things, and, and uh, we, could, we could keep talking about them, but um, in verse number 6 at the end of it, and he says, And I, David here, I will declare thy greatness. Um, I, I'm going to make it known to others. I'm going to, people are going to do what they're going to do, but I am purposing in my own heart that I'm going to declare thy greatness to those around me uh, because God is great. Um, so we see here uh, the first motivator in uh, David's life that caused him to praise the Lord every day and the desire to praise him for all eternity was God's greatness. Secondly, the second motivator was God's goodness. And this is found in verses 7 through 10. Verse 7 says, They shall abundantly utter the memory of thy great goodness and shall sing of thy righteousness. The Lord is gracious, full of compassion, slow to anger and of great mercy. The Lord is good to all and his tender mercies are over all his works. All thy works shall praise thee, O Lord, and thy saints shall bless thee. Verse 7 talks about goodness and righteousness and David here links the goodness of God with the righteousness of God together. Because when we talk about good, a lot of times we think of well, he's nice to me, and he is nice to us. He is kind to us. He is good to us. But, but it's not just the fact that he's, he likes to give us things and he likes to bless his children, though he does. See, the goodness of God and his righteousness are connected. He's good in that he's morally good. Does that make sense? He does what's good. He does what's right. God always does good things that are consistent with his righteousness. And uh, David said, um, they shall sing of thy righteousness and they'll, uh, they shall abundantly utter the memory of thy great goodness. Now, I, I like this in verse number 7 where he says, they shall abundantly utter the memory of thy great goodness. The word rendered here, abundantly utter, means to bud forth, to gush out, to flow as a fountain. It's applied to words as poured forth in praise. The meaning is that the heart is full as a fountain is full of water and that it naturally overflows or seeks to discharge itself. The thought of God's goodness fills the heart and makes it overflow with gratitude. Of course, those are not my words. I I got that from a, a commentary and and I, and I thought that that was so good because when you are just thinking about God's goodness, it should like overwhelm our heart that it just naturally explodes out of our mouth with praise to God. Has there been a time like that in your life recently where you're just like, God, just thank you for your goodness because I just can't, it's, it's overwhelming me. Has there been a time like that recently in your life? If not, uh, I would encourage you to meditate on his goodness and to have some time where you are still and that you know he is God. 
problem is our lives get really busy and we don't have time to really dwell on God's goodness. But uh, David had that time and he said, they shall abundantly utter the memory of thy great goodness. I mean, it just kind of explodes out of our heart because our heart is so full of gratitude for who God is and what he has done in our life that we just can't help but uh, let, um, let praise for God and his goodness out of our mouths. All right. Uh, verse number eight talks about the fact that the Lord is gracious and full of compassion. He's slow to anger and of great mercy. Aren't you glad all of those things are true? Uh, we need all of those. I'm, I'm very thankful that the Lord is gracious. He's full of compassion toward me. Uh, he's slow to anger toward me. He has a long fuse. Uh, much longer than I would have, by the way, if I were the Lord. And much longer than I have in my own life. How long is your fuse before you are uh, where it's like, that's it, I'm done. <laughs> How long is your fuse? The longer we're saved, the longer that fuse should get. Because the more we're supposed to be like the Lord in our life. Right? And uh, he has a very long fuse. He's slow to anger and of great mercy. Not just end of mercy. No, of great mercy. That's who your God is. All right, verse number nine. The Lord is good to all. Do you see why I, li I like this psalm? Why it kind of hit me? Um, why, why these verses just kind of really spoke to my heart. And again, maybe it's because of what I, you know, where I'm at in life. And, uh, but... I just, I just love it. All right, verse number nine. The Lord is good to all, and, uh, and his tender mercies are over all his works. Notice this, the Lord is good to all. To the ones who deserve it? No, really, no one deserves his goodness, right? <laughs> I don't. None of us deserve his goodness, but he is good to all. He loves the vilest sinner just as much as he loves the most virtuous saint. It was Jesus who said this in, in, uh, in the Gospels, that you may be the children of your Father which is in heaven, for he maketh his Son to rise on the evil and on the good, and sendeth rain on the just and on the unjust. God's good to all. Yeah, I mean, there's people out there who really hate God, who they have, they're in good health. They get to enjoy this life. God is good to all. Now, one day, uh, they will face uh, their maker, and they will have to answer for their life, and they will be judged according to their works. But in this life, God has been good to give them health, to give them finances, to be able to have their needs met. But guess what? He's been good to us too. And uh, he's good to all. And I like this in verse number 9 at the end of it. It says, uh, The Lord is good to all and his tender mercies are over all his works. Not just mercies, but they're tender mercies. And as I was thinking about that, I was thinking about the 
the story, the parable that Jesus gave of the, uh, the prodigal son and uh, what tender mercies were displayed and exhibited there by the father of that prodigal son when he came home. I mean, the tender mercies that father had to be able to be ever on the lookout for his child to return no matter where he had been. And he was willing to run to him despite his dirty appearance. I don't think he looked the same uh, when he was coming home as he did when he left. I think he had a different countenance to be sure. And uh, probably, uh, you know, and, and many of you have seen this where, you know, how old are you? And, and they tell you that they're, they're much younger than they look. And you can tell it's just been they've had a life of sin. Um, sin has a way of aging people. Uh, prematurely and uh, baldness is doesn't apply to this by the way okay just want to make that abundantly clear it is yes as I have told many people God only made a few perfect heads and the rest he have to cut he had to cover with hair so uh, that and I'm sticking to it I'm sticking to that but uh, the tender mercies here that the father displayed when he came and ran to his child, uh, to his son. Uh, and it was probably evident that he wasn't living for the Lord and living right. Uh, that tender mercy that caused him to fall on his neck and even kiss him, though he smelled probably of pig slop. The tender mercies. And God shows us those same mercies as well when we come back to him. No matter where we've been or what we've done. To God be the glory for that. And you can see why David was like wanting to praise the Lord for his goodness. Verse number 10, he says, All thy works shall praise thee, O Lord, and thy saints shall bless thee. It reminded me of the song that we sometimes sing here at Cornerstone. Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, all thy works shall praise thy name in earth and sky and sea. All the works are going to praise the Lord and thy saints shall bless thee. So God's goodness was a motivator in David's life uh, to praise the Lord. And the other two are quick, so I'm going to go ahead and go through those. Uh, the third one is God's glory. God's glory, verses 11 through 13. They shall speak of the glory of thy kingdom and talk of thy power to make known to the sons of men his mighty acts and the glorious majesty of his kingdom. Thy kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and thy dominion endureth throughout all generations. As David was considering the glory of God and the fact that God would govern and that God would be in charge and is in charge, caused him to praise him. Because earth's kingdoms come and go, don't they? And their glory is soon forgotten. Uh, another commentator remarked here, Earth's empires wax and wane until all that is left of them are exhibits in museums. Think about some of the tremendous uh, kingdoms in the past. Um, well, as glorious and powerful as they were, well now, all that's left is, like, a, like he said, a little exhibit in a museum. Okay? But the power and glory of the kingdom of Christ uh, is bounds forever. 
The power of every other kingdom crests and then the decline comes, sometimes swiftly, sometimes slowly. Gone are the pomp and power of Pharaoh's Egypt. Gone is the imperial might of Nineveh. Gone is the glory of Greece, the power of imperial Rome. All that is left of Britain's worldwide empire is a piecemeal commonwealth. The mere ghosts of a lost imperial uh, might upon which the sun never set. And gone soon will be the American dream. Gone will be Russia's hope of conquering the world. We find little today to inspire us in Spain, um, in Spain's uh, desire to rule or in Napoleon's fallen empire. But you see, God's kingdom is an everlasting kingdom. It will never, it will never decline. It will never die. It is an everlasting kingdom. And that's something to be grateful for. That's something to praise the Lord for, that we are part of a kingdom that no matter what happens here in America, and I do love the USA, I, do, I am proud to be an American. I am glad to, uh, to live in the greatest country in the world. But uh, my citizenship, I have a dual citizenship, actually. Uh, right? I'm a citizen of the United States of America, but I am also a citizen of heaven. And that kingdom will never die and 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 the future of our country is very uncertain but the future of uh, the kingdom of God is certain because the Lord is the one who's on the throne and he will always be on the throne and that's what caused David to say hey I can I want to praise you every day and for eternity okay so God's glory and then last thought here is God's grace the thing that motivated David to give praise to God was God's grace Verses 14 down through 20. I'll just go ahead and read them and maybe make a couple of quick comments. But verse number 14, The Lord upholdeth all that fall and raiseth up all those that be bowed down. The Lord raises up those who fall under the burdens of this life and those who have buckled underneath the pressures and problems. And David was very familiar with how the Lord upholded, upholded him who fell and raised him up that be bowed down. Because... Uh, David had a pretty significant fall, didn't he, in his life? Talk about skeletons in the closet. David had some. And, and David knew what it was like for God to bring him up out of those dark, dark times. And God's grace was evident in David's life. And honestly, God's grace has been evident in mine too. I, like you, have skeletons in my closet. All right, I'm a sinner just like everybody in the room. Okay, we all have things that we wish we didn't have in our past, and yet they're there. But God's grace is greater than all our sin. Where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. Verse 15, okay, the eyes of all wait upon thee, and thou givest them their meat in due season. Think about this, all creatures on the land, in the air, in the waters, all in heaven, all throughout the universe, that is, it is as if all directed their eyes to God imploring for the supply of their needs. To no one else can they look for uh, those things which are needful for them. A universe thus looks every day, every hour, every moment to its God. Um, verse 15, the eyes of all wait upon God. Uh, I was reading and studying for this and, and uh, one one commentator uh, indicated that it, it's uncommon. Now, it does happen for uh, birds to die of starvation. 
But do you realize a robin, the average robin needs about 70 worms every day to survive? To me, that's kind of like, that's a lot. I don't know that that's, I don't know where they got that stat. I'm not following a robin uh, to find out for sure, so I'm going to believe them. But, but the point is, God provides. God provides for those birds. God provides for you and for me, and God provides for insects, and God provides for large animals in the sea. God provides. And uh, he has a way of working it all out. All right, verse number 16, Thou openest thine hand and satisfiest the desire of every living thing. All he needs to do is open his hand, and he's able to satisfy the desire of every living thing. And he's able to do that, and he does, because he's gracious. Verse 17, The Lord is righteous in all his ways and holy in all his works. Everything that God does is right. You may not think it is. I may not always think it is. People out there may not think it is, but it is right. He is righteous in all his ways and holy in all his works. There's not something that God does that's not right. He's never made a mistake. He's never been wrong in one instance throughout all of human history and in eternity past and in eternity future. Everything he does is right. Verse number 18, the Lord is nigh, this is a great verse, the Lord is nigh unto all them that call upon him, to all that call upon him in truth. And I believe that was one of our memory verses on Wednesday night some time ago. Uh, He is approachable. Um, He says he is nigh unto them that call upon him. He's close to us. He's approachable. And by the way, when we fast forward to the New Testament, now we are not only... Um, given this thought here, but we're invited to come boldly to the throne of grace that we might find help in time of need. We're invited to come boldly. Verses 19 and 20, He will fulfill the desire of them that fear Him. He also will hear their cry and will save them. The Lord preserveth all them that love Him, but all the wicked will He destroy. Verse 19 and 20, we, we, we learn that the Lord will satisfy us. In verse 19, he will fulfill the desire of them that fear him. He will satisfy uh, us. Verse 19, at the end of that, the second part of that verse, he will save us. He will also hear their cry and will save them. And then verse 20, we learn that he will secure us. The Lord preserveth all them that love him, but all the wicked will he destroy And that leads us to the last verse here, which basically brings us back to the beginning of the psalm. And he said, My mouth, as a result of all this, my mouth shall speak the praise of the Lord. Let all flesh bless his holy name forever and ever. See, David once again declares his resolve to praise the Lord and encourages all of creation to join him. And so, brothers and sisters... I want to encourage us to join David and uh, praise the Lord as well. Uh, Let's go ahead and do that. Let's go ahead and join him tonight and praise him for who he is and for what he has done. Praise him for his greatness. Praise him for his goodness. Praise him for his glory and for his grace.
four great motivators for us tonight to praise the Lord. Great reasons for us to wake up tomorrow and the next day and the day after all the way into eternity and praise the name of the Lord because his name is worthy to be praised every day.